1: Welcome to the Empowered Investor Podcast. My name is Marcelo Taboara, and today we have a very special episode. We are currently in the midst of tax season. This is a very important time for a lot of Canadians. We all have to file a tax return. Today's episode will cover the ins and outs of taxes and what we should do, what we shouldn't do. The ins and outs are all there. Bear in mind, this episode was recorded in 2021 for the tax preparation year of 2020. There are still very relevant issues and ideas that were discussed in this episode. This episode was recorded by Ruben Antoine and our very own Hugh Campbell. Hugh Campbell is our resident CPA. Hugh has been with Toulette Matthews & Associates for a long time. He's not only responsible for a lot of our laughs, on a day-to-day basis. He's also responsible for preparing the tax returns of a lot of our clients. Hugh is a remarkable professional, but he's also a remarkable human being. I hope you enjoyed this episode and you'll learn a lot about taxes. Thank you so much.
2: Welcome to this new episode of the Empowered Investor Podcast. My name is Ruben Antoine, and I will be your host for today's episode. With the tax season coming up, we thought we will dedicate an episode of The Empire Investor on the in and outs of preparing tax return. So for that we have a very special guest, our very own Hugh Campbell, who is a long-time partner of our firm and also he is an accountant working with tax for our clients. Welcome Hugh.
3: Thank you very much for the invitation, very gracious of you Ruben. Hopefully we can help this morning.
2: Yes, definitely. And I'm very excited to have you on the podcast because as a CPA, I'm happy that we finally got our own episode, two CPAs talking about tax.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
2: So let's dive in here. Um, We are ending the RSP season right now, and this is what a lot of investors have in mind right now. So my first question for you will be, what is the value of the RSP from a retirement perspective, but also from a tax perspective?
3: You know, Ruben, the nice thing with the RSP system in Canada, it helps people to achieve that old adage, which is pay yourself first. We often hear that in business. If you're trying to sort out your priorities. Number one priority, pay yourself first. And people work really, really hard for the money. And one of the ways they can pay themselves first is by investing in an RSP. People, while they're working, often will pay high marginal tax rates 50% or even a little bit more than 50%. And what you want to do is put away money in an RSP to save that high marginal rate at 50%. So it's not a bad investment. You put five thousand in an RSP, you get twenty five hundred dollars in tax savings. The interesting thing is that the mice sits in an RSP, it accumulates tax-free all the investments that Keith and yourself earn on it. And <laughs> when it comes time to retirement. You can pull it out, but often the marginal rate that you pull it out is quite different because your income takes a dip after retirement from business and you will pull it at a tax rate of 30% or perhaps even less. And that's a significant permanent tax saving that you've achieved on that RSP money.
2: So, what you're saying is basically you're paying tax now at 53%. You save on that tax because you contribute to the RSP to pay later, maybe at So that's the value. It's to defer that tax and maybe pay less in the future because you are at a lower tax rate in the future.
3: And the great thing, your money, your full amount of your money is working for you all those years, accumulating tax-free. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong.
2: So it's like using the government money to make money on it. It's like an interest-free loan in the meantime.
3: (laughs) They may be listening, so I'll have to be careful. (laughs) Perfect,
2: perfect. Perfect. So the next question many uh, Canadians sometimes are asking themselves is tax season is coming right now and why they should file their tax return by April 30th? Why this deadline and why they should respect it?
3: Yeah, I go to a lot of seminars. I was to two seminars in the months of November, December, where representatives from CRA and Revenue Quebec were there And, and both seminars the representative said exactly the same thing. Make sure your clients file on time. And there's a number of reasons for that. First of all, on the federal side, if you're a pensioner, you will not get your old age security. You will not get your GST credit. If you're a young person, like a young teenager in school, you don't get your GST credit because you didn't file a tax return. Quebec, you don't get your solidarity tax credit. You're not entitled to certain other benefits because you didn't file a return.
2: Oh, so even students with a lower income there's a value in filing the tax return, even if they don't pay tax, to get those credit.
3: You know, on the federal side as well, you know, you got single moms. I've, that's happened to me where a single mom, she hadn't filed for a couple of years. There was a divorce, It was a messy divorce involved, but she hadn't filed for a couple of years. For four years, she hadn't got her child tax payments. Tax returns filed, there's some difficulty, we got it filed. And one day she went to the mailbox unexpectedly because sometimes they don't pay arrears. But in this case, the federal government did pay a refund. She had a check for $24,000 in her mailbox for child tax credit she hadn't been getting for those four years. So they don't always do that, but you got to file on time. The other reason as well, these tax representatives say is the minute you file late, your file is red flagged with Revenue Quebec and Revenue Canada. They will scrutinize your tax returns more closely because they say there has to be a reason that this person is messing up by not filing on time. You'll give close scrutiny to your tax return as a a result.
2: Oh, I see. I see. So, not to attract the attention on ourselves, one way to do it is just to file on time. As simple as that.
3: Absolutely. And, you know, if people sometimes file late and say, I have a refund, they'll take their time processing that that refund because, again, they will scrutinize the return to say, is this refund really, really justified? I've seen people have their refunds late as long as five or six months while they scrutinize the tax returns
2: i see but when you have a family for example should a family file together
3: that's a good question it's a problem we run into every year you know the teenagers are growing up the young adults are growing up and they say to their mom yeah, yeah yeah we're going to do it on our own we can do it online we know how to do it but they forget certain things one of the things is that there has to be a coordination between the student and a parent as far as tuition fees are concerned the, t- the parents have financed the tuition fees but the declaration and the claiming of tuition fees must go on the student's return and the student must then delegate to his parents the ability to have a tax deduction for those fees. If there's no delegation made by the student, the parent doesn't get a tax deduction. So working with a, a tax repairer, you'll make sure that that's coordinated and certain forms may have to be signed off to allow that transfer of a tuition fee credit from the student to the parent. Also, it will allow that the parents can, in certain cases, claim the student as a dependent and get a deduction for the student or the young adult as a dependent because their income is so low. But if that's not coordinated, the parent doesn't get anything.
2: So in other words, filing together allows an optimization of the tax situation of the whole family. That's, that's a big value in that. So in the current context, let me ask you, what should Canadians be thinking about this year tax season? And what I mean by the current context is we all know... Uh, Many Canadians, they got some support payment due to COVID last year. So is there any consideration regarding those support payment, the CERB, for example?
3: Well, all the payments people have received as individuals, whether it be CERB or any other form of government program, they're all taxable. They have to be declared on a tax return and taxes may have to be levied. Now, the anticipation is that most people had such a difficult year Even though they have to declare that income, taxes will be nominal at best. But sometimes we find that people near the end of the year, they got picked up new jobs or they got called back to work and they have more income than anticipated. So they're going to have a tax bill to pay. So again, because there's going to be a tax bill to pay, you want to make sure you file on time to avoid penalties and interest.
2: And uh, some of these people, they may have spent all the money they received because they needed to. And they didn't put any money aside. So that's where they, they may have a surprise with the tax payment. They may have of a big that.
3: surprise, but the government, at least the federal side anyway, has come back and said, well, we recognize that some people have not been prudent to set aside some money for taxes, and they may extend payment terms, interest repayment terms on taxes for 2020 only. But it all depends on you filing on time and making the proper declarations
2: and i will say as well i know it's tight but one way to help for people who have extra funds in their account is to do an rsp contribution as soon as possible to see if they can reduce their income and hence pay less tax or not pay any tax due to those support payment. what about home office expense because a lot of people are asking themselves because of covid they had to work from home And usually, you know, people that even before COVID, if they were working from home, some of them may qualify for some deduction. But now most of us were working from home. So what can we deduct and what are the different rules around that?
3: So the the federal government has offered a couple of programs. Quebec hasn't really said they'd cooperate, but we haven't seen the, the results of that. But the first thing that the federal government has offered is that. You can claim home office expense, but the first criteria, the first criteria is that you must have worked from home for four consecutive weeks. And so as long as you've done that, then you may be entitled to a credit up to $400. No paperwork has to be filed. No receipts have to be maintained. They just
2: give, you, they just
3: give it to you. The okay. worst they could do in that case is they may call your employer to say, hey, look, was this person really working from home? That's all that may happen. However, some people say, well, you know what? I've incurred other costs. I have some other enhanced costs. Well, the government's offered that people can fill out what is called a a form T2200. It must be signed off by the employer. The employer will have to agree, yes, this employee has had other costs that they've been out of pocket for and should get some tax relief on it. But the employer must fill out that form and provide it to the employee, which is then included in the employee's tax return. So in that case, you have to have that form signed by your employer and you must keep all receipts, all receipts that you're making a claim on. No receipts, then no claim.
2: When you say receipt, you're referring to uh, electricity and, you know, all...
3: Some minor repairs and maintenance. Uh, maybe you had to buy a computer. Maybe you have to incur extra telephone costs or internet costs. But you have to keep all your receipts for that to, to back up what you're making a claim
2: on. I see. And I assume it's prorated based on where you were working at work like that.
3: It's usually prorated based on square footage of livable space taken up by the office. And, you know, the feds in Quebec are pretty strict about that. They, they say the space has to be dedicated
2: to work. Well, a lot of people were working on their kitchen table.
3: <laughs> so, you know, that you may find that the actual deduction is very, very limited if you haven't got a dedicated
2: space. So, I see.
3: Generally, for most people, that $400 credit, that's the best you're going to be able to do. And it'll cause you the least amount of grief.
2: Do you think some people will say, I was working on my kitchen table, but I didn't use it to have any dinner anymore. So it was dedicated. It happens. (laughs) It
3: happens. And I also have people come to me and say, well, in past years, well, I use 20% of my house for business. They come on. 20% (laughs) of your house? (laughs) But you never know. Sometimes there can be reasons, but it all has to be justified in the end. So the thing is, you have a choice. You do the $400 credit, no justification other than you work four straight weeks at home. Or you go the more complicated route, which requires paperwork, forms being signed by your employer, and calculations being made. As long as you want to do the work and you can justify the cost, go ahead and do it.
2: One last question on that. What about people who are working from home and they may have a mortgage on this home? So can they deduct, uh, of course, by prorating it, but can they deduct the interest that they pay on that mortgage?
3: That's not available to salaried employees. That's something that's only been made available to self-employed individuals or commissioned employees. So that's not available to the average person. And anybody who can qualify, but there's a special set of forms that must be signed off by the employer in order for the employee to qualify. That's much more complex.
2: So, generally speaking, when is interest deductible on someone's tax return?
3: Well, there's two reasons for tax returns. First of all, there's the general rule of taxation, which is an expense is deductible only to the extent there was an expectation to earn income. That's a very important rule. So if you incurred a cost, such as a loan, because you're pursuing a business interest, well, normally, as long as you have the backup document, that interest is tax deductible. Similarly, if invested in the stock market, you can show that, oh, yes, this loan I took out was invested fully in the stock market, that interest will be tax deductible. However, If the government after the fact comes back and says, you know what? You never had an expectation to make any money on that. They can go back and reverse the interest charges and charge you retroactively by adding it back to your taxes. It's not deductible. So just be cautious, you know, when you're making those kind of claims.
2: Okay. Very interesting. So let's talk about the retirees and the seniors. Some of them were in senior residences. Some of them were at home because they are spending their retirement in their own home. What are the tax benefits or credits that are available for seniors and retirees?
3: Well, the first thing you have to look at is you know, how much income you made, because both federally and Quebec, there are certain programs that are available, but they're all income dependent. So once you reach $50,000, dollars 70000 of income, you're not going to be entitled to anything. So first of all, look at your overall income. But to the extent you have income less than 70, in Quebec, there's some generous programs that you may be entitled to benefits on if you live in a condo, not a senior residence, but a condo, you can go to your condo associations. There's a special form they'll fill out that will allocate to you the maintenance costs that are your condo fees. And so you go get that form. You get a tax deduction on your tax return. If you're in a senior's residence, you go to your administration. They will give you a form that will say, oh, yeah, this person has received services for nursing, cleaning bills, certain other." Th-. And again, you can take that as a tax deduction on your tax return for individuals that have significant problems, let's say a spouse with dementia or other, I would encourage go get the disability tax credit application filled out, submit it with your doctor's permission and help. And that could entitle you even more relief on the medical expense side. A good part, perhaps, of some of the the costs that you pay at a senior assisted living dwelling. So there's different grades of deductions depending on the circumstance of individuals.
2: What about the one that stayed in their own home, but paid services such as, you know, snow removal, cleaning the house?
3: As long as your income is under $70,000, you know, you must have the invoices. And I'd also recommend that, not recommend, but I would encourage that you have proper invoices where it has the name, the address of the individual providing the service. Normally, the government likes to see as well a GST or TVQ number, because that means they're properly registered for tax purposes. And so you keep all those receipts. You must have the receipt and then give them to your tax preparer. He'll prepare the appropriate line item to make a deduction, in particular on your tax return, but to some degree on your federal.
2: Yeah, these are very key information for seniors. Thanks for sharing that, Hugh. Let's switch gears a bit to uh, something that a lot of people are talking about is the real estate market, because last year and even now, the real estate market is very hot A lot of overbidding, uh, bidding wars on properties, getting many offers. Very crazy. Many people have sold their house actually last year. Let's discuss about the reporting that is necessary for real estate transactions, even when it's your own home. So can you tell us a bit more about the pitfalls, what needs to be done and the penalties when it's not done? So
3: about six or seven years ago, the federal government in particular, and Quebec has copied them, has got very, very strict about the reporting of real estate transactions. If the reporting is not done correctly, there's significant penalties. Penalties can add up to $8,000 or more. Even though there's no tax paid, no, no tax consequences, because you didn't file a form on time or you didn't file a form completely, you may be subject to quite severe penalties.
2: Even if you don't have any tax to pay?
3: Even if you don't have any tax. Wow. So if you sell your home, which is called your principal residence, and you do not report, even though there's no tax to pay, you do not report that. There's a special set of boxes and forms that must be completed on your tax return. If you do not do those special forms, fill out the special boxes, the penalties can be upwards of $8,000 for not having done that. Now, there's other consequences for things like cottages and vacant land. Again, these things have to be reported. If it's not done correctly, you could face penalties. If the calculation of the capital gain is not done correctly, you could face significant tax consequences because your taxes are not calculated correctly.
2: Yeah, for the purpose of the listeners, this is a rule that the government put in place. When? uh, Two years ago, you said?
3: Oh, no, it's about six years ago. The, The problem the federal government, in particular, and Quebec were having were people who were buying homes and flipping them.
2: Yeah, because, you know, many people, they were like, buying a house, flipping it, staying in that house for a year or two, and then moving to another one. And because it was their principal residence, they were never paying tax, but it's actually a business. So that's why.
3: So the government's got rid of it. So the government's looking, if you start flipping properties and claiming the principal residence multiple times, you're in big trouble. It will, it will not
2: work. <laughs> actually, it's it's a business. It's not really your principal house. So, okay, that that makes sense.
3: Just to clarify one thing, because there's other problems that are happening on the real estate front, which is... There's people in our generation now whose parents are dying and when they die, they leave behind houses and cottages. You have to report those things very, very carefully on the final return because people who are executors or beneficiaries, if you do not do that correctly, you as people responsible for the estate, you could be subject to significant penalties in the estate. You want to avoid that. Get proper tax advice in the handling of the real estate on deceased people. By the way, when a person dies, if they own a home, it's deemed to be sold. So that same form that must be filled out when you actually sell a house, when you die, it's called a deemed disposition. That form has to be filled out in the year of death as well.
2: Even if actually the house is not actually Correct. sold yet. I Correct. See. And again, if you don't do very it, important.
3: significant penalties.
2: Very important. That's a very good point. So... We are talking about tax. you. We are talking about tax, income, uh, and the fact that Canadians need to be careful what they need to be careful about and paying tax. So let me ask you a general question. Do you pay tax on income earned in Canada only or do you pay tax on income earned elsewhere?
3: Great question. Great, great question. Because I have clients who have pensions that come in from the UK or France or other countries and they say, well, I don't have to declare that. No, 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 no. no. (laughs) If you're a Canadian resident, the law says, the tax law says you must declare your world income, not your Canadian income, your world income. So anywhere in the world that you've earned income, you must report it on your Canadian tax return and you must pay tax. Sometimes where there's tax taken off in a foreign jurisdiction, you'll get a foreign tax credit. So you you won't be subject to necessarily double taxation, but the critical thing is to make the declaration and recording. Every year, we get people coming in who haven't done that, and then we have to take them through a real, a nightmarish process.
2: Well, uh, you're saying world income, and that reminds me when I was at university, in my tax course, I have a teacher who used to say you need to pay uh, your income you earn anywhere in the universe. So if you even earn an income on planet Mars, you have to pay tax on it, or at least declare it. So definitely, uh, this is very important. And and I think uh, many people, sometimes they think that if they have, let's say, a real estate in another country or some income, that the CRA, the Canadian Revenue Agency, they will not find out about it, but... The countries are working together now and with technology, everything is related right now. So people need to come forward if they can. And when you come forward, you have a chance to get back in line and declare it so that you don't have any issue with the government. In the case of individuals
3: who have not declared, every year I have one or two people that come to me, they haven't declared income in a foreign jurisdiction. As long as the government hasn't caught up with them, they can go to a lawyer and make what is called a voluntary disclosure. And that can significantly reduce the penalties. By the way, if you have a, security in a foreign jurisdiction and you haven't recorded the fact that you have a security in a foreign jurisdiction there's no income to report you just have to report that you have it if you do not report that you have it the penalty starts at 2500 dollars for each year that you have reported that you had that foreign security
2: oh wow it's
3: a lot of money
2: the more you wait the more hefty the penalty can be absolutely so there's penalties
3: for not reporting the fact that you had a,
2: a foreign security or a foreign real estate or
3: foreign real estate and then there's penalties When they find out, oh, yeah, there's also income earned, then there's penalties and interest on that as well. Some people are are like on a $50,000 investment held in, let's say, uh, the UK or France that you have not reported for 10 years. You could wipe out and lose the value of the whole security. Just
2: on penalties, yeah.
3: Just on penalties and interest.
2: Yeah, wow.
3: And by the way, if the government comes after you to say, oh, we found out from the Bank of England that you had a, a UK pension or a UK security and you didn't report it to us, you're not allowed to make a voluntary disclosure. And then you're going to get full penalties assessed to you.
2: So it's better to come forward before the government discover anything. Be proactive. Exactly, exactly. So many of uh, our clients and many Canadians, they like to support the cause and the charities that they care about. What about charitable donation? What is the impact of making donation on someone's tax return? And given that we are talking mostly to investors as well, what is the value in making a donation directly as an investment in kind without selling that investment?
3: both the federal and Quebec governments have really tried to encourage people to be generous and support charities. And so they've offered some enhancements, which I think are very interesting. So the stock market has done very well for the last 10 years for most people. So let's say 10 years ago, you bought Bell Canada for $10,000. Today, that very security might be worth $20,000, for example. You're in a position where you don't need the money. You say, well, you know what? I'm going to donate the value of that security. Some people would say, okay, I'll cash in. I'll give the $20,000. I'll give the money, whatever money I have left after tax. The government offers you an alternative, which is donate the marketable security itself to the charity.
2: Directly, yeah.
3: Directly. Most charities will accept that. They have a program for that. And then what you get is a, is a significant benefit. First of all, the $10,000 capital gain that you had in that security, you don't have to report that for income tax purposes.
2: Which you would have to do if you sell that security to then do the donation.
3: Exactly. And then the government says, the charity will be allowed to give you a tax receipt, not for $10,000, what you originally paid for it, but for the value that you had on the day you donated, which is $20,000. So you get a tax receipt for $20,000. And in Quebec, that is worth a $10,000 tax credit. So in other words, for the $10,000 that you pay for the investment, you now have a $10,000 tax credit. They can reduce your taxes dollar for dollar by $10,000.
2: Oh, wow. I think most people will be thinking they should sell their investment and give the money. But that's definitely a better alternative to give the investment directly.
3: Yeah, you, you sit down, and you talk with your investment advisor, and you talk with the charity that you want to do it with. And between the two, you can work out an arrangement.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now... Hugh there's a taxes season coming, and I know it's one of the busiest time in your life <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: yeah I know you you help a lot of people uh, in their taxes. I remember when I used to do taxes, I started my career in a small accounting firm where I was doing in addition to accounting and audit, I was doing taxes for individuals and entrepreneurs and their business and one thing i didn't like is when clients will come with like a shoebox with a lot of receipts and a lot of papers and it's a mess and they expect me to put everything in order and things like that so that's what i hate when i was working in tax is there anything you hate or you hate to hear for example
3: every year the one one comment i hate (laughs) when people walk into my office well my friend got a tax deduction for this or my friend doesn't pay the same amount of taxes that drives me crazy because I know nothing about your friend. And tasks can vary vary a lot. You know, I had a client, two clients, two separate clients, they were not related. They both got exactly the same amount of pension money. And they both had a spouse who didn't work minimal pensions for the spouses because they were stay at home moms. But it was very interesting. The end result was that one got a huge tax break on income splitting, the other did not. And there was reasons for that. And the one who didn't get it, who was expecting to say, what is going on with me? My friend get, no. And I had to take a walk. This is why you didn't get the income splitting tax deduction. And that's why you have more of a tax burden. And so no two people are alike. Everybody's the same. So it's really hard when you come to a tax say, my friend, no. You want to make informed decisions. Well, you have to come with informed questions. Don't just say my friend. No, you come with specific say, because of this circumstance, what is your opinion or how can you help me? I'll give you a straight answer, but don't tell me my friend got didn't pay the same amount of tax. (laughs) It doesn't
2: work that way. Fair enough, fair enough. Thanks for for sharing what you hate. (laughs) I like that. So clients, they come to see you, they do their tax return, they file on time before April 30th, like you said, why this is important. And then the government send them a letter, a paper called the Notice of Assessment. What do they have to do with the notice of assessment? And if they owe money to the taxman, what do they do about it?
3: Notice of assessment is very important, in particular in Quebec, because there's a lot of government programs that you can be involved with. And they will ask you, give us your notice of assessment number. So keep your notice of assessment, in particular for Quebec and the Fed, keep it safe, put it in your tax file so it's accessible when you need it. That's the first thing. Also the federal assessment, if you have a mortgage or a loan, the banks will inevitably ask you, we want a copy of your federal assessment notice. The idea being they want to make sure that you're up to date with your taxes. So keep those documents in a safe spot so you have access to them when needed. Now, the other thing is don't ignore pieces of paper. When you get a letter from the government, I know we all prefer to be an officer, stick our head to sand and say, if I don't look <laughs> at it, it will go away. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Open your correspondence. And, you know, you may look at it and say, this doesn't make any sense. That's possible. Call your tax preparer and say, I got this. Send a copy to him. He'll help you look after it. You know, I had an instance this year where the client got an assessment and the government said, you owe $8,000. After I said he had a $100 refund or whatever the case was, he was break even. He wasn't happy with me, you know. He so said, leave it. We'll investigate. And sure enough, went to every Quebec and they made an assessment error. They actually double-charged him on some of his investment income Got a straightened debt with Quebec. He got a new assessment notice. He owed nothing. So he was a lot happier at that point in time. But these things take time. Do not let it sit in a drawer. Do not ignore it. There are serious consequences to doing that when the government starts chasing you. So follow up with your tax repair. Make sure things are looked after. If you owe money on your tax returns, some people, again, will say, well, I don't have the money, and they just put it in a drawer. I'll forget about it. Maybe it'll go away. Well, it won't go away. <laughs> it
2: doesn't work like that. <laughs> it
3: doesn't work like that. But both governments are very, very sensitive. Even before COVID, they were fairly sensitive to the fact that if a person had a problem paying the bill, call the government. The phone number on your assessment notice. call them. I cannot pay this money right now. They will come up with a plan that will work for you that can take give you up to a year to actually pay those taxes.
2: Oh, that's interesting. So if you owe money and you have something in your personal situation that you cannot pay that bill right away, you can make arrangement with the government?
3: Yeah. Oh, okay. And make the arrangement. They're very happy to do that, but do not ignore it. Because if you ignore it, it goes up the ladder in the tax offices. It goes to different departments. If it goes to the collection department, there is no compromise. They're going to hound you and they're going to want that money right away. Not only that, they start charging administrative penalties. And the administrative penalties start at between $125 and $200 for each letter they send out to you. So a small tax bill can end up being much bigger just from interest and penalties. And they charge interest on their penalties when you don't pay the penalty right away. So don't ignore your assessment notice. Don't ignore your balance that you owe. Deal directly with the government. If you need help, call the taxpayer. He can walk you through the steps that you need to
2: take. Wow, very, very good points because... Like you said, sometimes uh, just because tax is something people don't necessarily like, they might leave it there, procrastinate and don't look at the letters. But there are consequences, uh appears because of that. So what about, you know, you've done all that, you've done your homework, tax return, you open your letters, but then everything is done. You have all those papers. How long should you keep them? What are the rules around record retention?
3: So... Both the federal government, and Quebec government say record retention is seven years. So you must keep seven years of records. For the average person, that's fine. Once in a while, though, there are other taxpayers who have rental properties or significant business interest. Then it becomes a little bit different. If you have a rental property, you should keep a record of that rental property for as long as you hold it. I've dealt with some properties. The person held it for 30 years. And when you look at the file, four different tax preparers have been involved over the years because tax preparers come and go. We change careers, we live, we die. And so there was four different people involved in the file. But I needed information when the properties eventually sold that had to go back 30 years earlier to when it was purchased to pick up certain costs, certain other items. There's something called a V-Day value. There's things called the 1994 Valuation Day value. There's all these things that affect these long-term holdings. So when you have real estate holdings, make sure you keep all the records because it will be needed. So the seven-year clock only starts ticking on those records after you've actually sold the properties. The year you sell it, count seven years, and then you can store everything.
2: Oh, okay. Okay. That's a particularity that I didn't know about. Very interesting. Thanks a lot, Hugh. This has been great. To be honest, like I'm a CPA. It's been a long time I didn't do any taxes, but Being a CPA, I've learned a lot. And I would say my key takeaways is when you don't do what you're supposed to do, (laughs) penalties can be very hefty. So people need to be careful, not only about filing on time, paying on time, but things like just opening your letters in case there's something that you need to know about, like don't procrastinate and be proactive. That's my key takeaways for the listeners. What would you say is the key Take away, you would like our listeners to, at least in that whole detailed episode that they need to live with, they need to retain in in all what you just shared.
3: Two things, you know, tax returns are more than just about calculating in taxes. There's a whole bunch of other things and forms that are involved that have reporting requirements. Make sure you get the proper advice to make sure you understand and prepare the forms properly that have to go along the tax return. If you miss out something accidentally, there could be consequences. The second thing is the old biblical adage, which is do unto others as you have them do unto you, which is, you know, treat the tax man with respect. If he sends you correspondence, if he sends you, makes sure you a telephone call, make sure you answer things correctly. Use your tax representative, your tax preparer to help you with these things. Don't You're not there alone. If you pay for a service, have the tax preparer help you. But respect the tax authorities. If you respect them, they'll respect you. And they generally will make your life. a little bit easier. But if you ignore them, well, you do so at your own peril.
2: Very good point, Hugh. Like they say, there's two things you cannot avoid in life. It's death and tax. So definitely (laughs) a lot of respect to the taxman is needed. Thanks a lot, Hugh, for this great episode. I hope you enjoy it, Hugh, and I hope our listeners really enjoy this tax episode and they have learned from it. So uh, we will see you, everyone, in the next episode of The Important Investor.